know that there's going to be a struggle and that's okay. Nothing is achieved in life on a personal or entrepreneur business space without living outside your comfort zone. Microphone check one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Talk to him. Attorney, high-performance coach, and speaker Cherie Prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick. From starting a business, marketing, strategies, and the ins and outs of their industries. We talk everything from book recommendations, lifestyle hacks, and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business. The Play Big Faster podcast starts now. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. I'm your host, Cherie Prince, and we're joined today by Dwight Heck, the principal at Give a Heck Financial. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Doing much better now that I'm here with you. When I was looking at your bio and I saw the name of your company, I just thought that was so awesome. Tell us about what you do in your firm. My whole goal for this is my 21st year now in the finance circle is to basically coach people how to live life on purpose and not by accident. Because most of the people today in the world that are dealing with money don't understand the rules of the money game. And what I mean by that is they get money, they spend money. They don't understand the inflows and outflows of what's going on in their life. They don't necessarily plan accordingly for bills that come in. They basically live, I guess, by the seat of their pants. And I'm not judging anybody because I was that person before I learned the processes that I educate and teach people on you know, living a life, figuring out what their current money monster is in their life that's been holding them back, that makes them fearful of tracking their expenses or saving for their future. And it grips people. It causes them to live a life of quiet desperation. So my whole goal has been to share what I went through and the processes as I learned that to, to correct my own life and what I've been using, utilizing for my clients for the last 21 years so that they don't live that accidental life and all of a sudden a tragedy occurs and they're not prepared for it. It's not even about just death. It can be a tragedy of losing a job and they're not prepared and they get in excessive debt and they don't know how to get out of debt. And nobody's taught them because my industry, unfortunately, in North America and the world is very transactional based. They're not really relationship based. So my whole focus for 21 years is to be a relationship builder, to get to know the clients, help them goal set, help them understand why it's important to save for their future, why it's important not to make other people rich by having everything on credit. Um, And it's a process. Some people, it's a quick process. Other people, it's, you know, it's a life process and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Sometimes we need mentorship and coaching our whole life to succeed. And that's how we approach professionals to help us do that. Okay, so you have said a mouthful. Let's unpack it because it sounds like the person who is not playing the money game the right way, almost like they're on a hamster wheel. And look, you have to excuse my voice. I've been batch recording. I sound a little squeaky, but it sounds like that person may be living life on a hamster wheel. What are some of the processes that you have developed to actually help them get off of that hamster wheel and be more intentional with the money game? So first, firstly, though, like the first interactions with people, whether it's face to face or over a video call, is to 
find out what they're currently experiencing and actually caring about it, not just wanting to be that transactional person and sell them something. So asking questions about their lives, what are their goals? I go through goal sheets with people to find out and those goal sheets will give me the starting blocks for more conversation, which can take multiple meetings to find out exactly. You know, one of the things they might select is get out of debt or save for their retirement or go on a paid vacation for once and not live that through a credit card or put their kids in extracurricular activities if they have children. So it's important to build that conversation, to have that, you know, finding out what, what was your childhood like? What happened with your life? How did your parents live? Or maybe they were a single parent, or maybe they come from a situation where their grandparents raised them. I've dealt with people such as that's happened as well. And just finding out what that monster that's holding them back from, again, like you mentioned, and I talk about that all the time, living on that hamster wheel of life, to be able to get off that go to work, go home, get paid mentality, to live for the weekends, to live a purposeful life, to understand you can live a better life. And that's where it needs to start is to have that conversation. To talk about products and services is completely useless if you don't get to know the person to find out, oh my gosh, they are in debt and they don't know how to do it. And they, they don't want to pay a service to do it. And I teach them how to do it, right? And where they can actually sustain and learn the process to get out of debt so that they can save for vacation, so they can save for their family and their kids. So they don't have that quiet desperation feeling every night when they go to bed and every morning when they get up. You mentioned family and kids. Do you have any recommendations about conversations that these individuals should be having with their children? And if so, is there a certain age that you start having the money conversation with your kids? Absolutely. That's a great question because many people have been raised in a generation where they're taught to not talk about money around their children and they hide everything. And you would be shocked how many kids, even younger kids, or I'll talk to kids that have just become adults and I'll ask them what they've seen from their parents. They thought their parents were loaded, yet their parents would be my client. And that's not the case. And it's because they were taught to not share that information and they don't share it with each other, even like significant others. So again, good question. Age dependent. Absolutely. And here's what I did when my kids were growing up. I was a single dad of five kids struggling all the time and I'd have a budget and I taught them something that most people just don't understand the difference between a need and a want. That was the simplest training that I could do for them when they were really young, because they're not going to understand. I can't afford it. Why can't you afford it? You do and spend money on this and that. So when they're really young, I just say to them, here's a conversation with you about this is a need. We need to have food in the fridge. We need to have gas in the vehicle to get you to your extracurricular. We need to have gas for me to get to work so I can earn money to pay this our roof over our head to make sure we have water and gas or electricity. And, and they're going to ask tons of questions and that's okay. You just got to be honest with them that at this present point in time, what you want, that new doll or that new truck or whatever, that matchbox car, that's not a need. That's not, we can't eat that if we're hungry. So we need to make sure that the money that mom and dad have or mom has or dad has is going to be enough to make sure that tomorrow we can have breakfast. You can have dinner and things like that. We need to make sure that need is fulfilled. And again, it's 
a lot more detailed than what I'm talking about because again, every child's different. Some are gonna ask more questions at the same age than other kids. My kids were all different, but I started out teaching them about needs and wants. Then I advanced up to the fact that I'd show them my budget. What's the most open cupboard in our house today? Our drink, where our glasses are. Open up the cupboard and have the budget there and they'll say, hey, dad, we wanna go, we wanna do this. We wanna do this, we wanna do that. Can we buy this? You know what? Go look at the budget. What does the budget tell you that we can do? Oh, okay, Dad. That makes sense. They'd look at it. No, we can't afford it. Okay. Because the needs are listed on that budget. And then at the end is where some of the wants are. Saving for a vacation, saving for this, saving for that. So do you want, and some kids will go, just figure it out. We want to do it anyway. Okay, so you don't want a vacation then next summer? Well, no, I want the vacation. So what's more important to you? For us to go buy that new video game or that new piece of clothing that you really don't need, which are wants, or do you want us to have the needs? And a vacation is still a want, but it can be a need if you do plan it out long enough. Because it, why is it a need? It's good for families to connect and hang out and spend time together, even if it's at the local lake, right? You go tenting, camping, whatever, right? Everybody's lives a different lifestyle, obviously. This is so good. And when you talk about budgeting, I heard you mention some of those broad categories, but what about percentages? Is there a certain percentage that you assign to different parts of the budget? Absolutely. What you teach people, though, is first and foremost, again, you have to find out if they're in massive debt. Let's say I help them go through all their expenses. I teach them the differences between needs and wants, and we free up a couple hundred dollars, but they have debt. So we teach that depending on what the percentage of debt is, we'll take a certain percentage of that freed up money to pay the debt down quicker. I'll show them different compounding effects of getting rid of debt and why it's so imperative. And through the conversation, I find out how much it's really keeping them awake. Some people, it's very nonchalant. Yeah, I want to pay it off. Okay, so let's take X percentage. Let's say we take 60% of $200. We'll take $120 and we'll start paying it against your debt. But it's really important on your goal sheets that you go on a vacation with your family finally because you haven't done it in 10 years or five years or whatever the case and that you save some money for kids' education, right? So I'll literally tell them the first and foremost, what you should be doing is we should be taking your full paycheck and you should be learning to save at least 5 to 10% of it before we ever implement the budget against it. So if they made $2,000 a month and I said 10%, would be allotted to saving for their future, for their retirement, towards an emergency fund, things that can help them in the event of a tragedy. And then you take the budget, the rest that's left, and you do it over an 80%, right? 80% of your budget, pardon me, your value of what you make is still there. And then you do it accordingly, right? You got mortgage payment, rent, food, whatever the case may be, and you allocate X amount, right? So it's impossible for me to tell you what percentage would be for groceries. For an example, they're very much people that like meat. Well, meat's not cheap. They're buying steaks and they like roast. They like the more expensive cuts. And I'm not judging them. That We just help to figure out, okay, based on what you've spent, they might even have to bring out bank statements, right? And I'll say to them, show me what you spent. And if they don't have that, then I'll encourage them over the next 30 days, keep all your receipts from your girl and pay for everything with your debit card so that we can actually track that you spent this at the local Albertsons or whatever grocery store you're talking about in the US or Canada, Safeway, it doesn't matter. And we'll figure out, okay, this is what we have to allocate. 
So budgeting is not as easy, but it's not hard either. It's just time invested in the game, right? To get off that hamster wheel to know, okay, I spend this much on groceries every month. Okay, I can't spend this much on this now. I'm spending too much percentage and it's more, so I have more month than money now. All of a sudden I run out of money and I'm only a halfway through the month and I got more days left. It's because people don't understand or figure out or have anybody to coach them on that percentage. And then they never see a light at the end of the tunnel for retirement because nobody's ever told them they should save first, spend later. And really it's compounding interest. It's, and I'm not saying everybody can do it right away. Everybody's timeline for winning the money game is different. So how much of what you do involves mindset work? Because if I'm someone who has traditionally not saved and not had a budget, and now you're asking me to use the same amount of money that I'm making per month and do all these new things, what sort of tools do you use to help people see the benefit of budgeting and distinguishing needs from wants? Again, it all goes back to the budget. So they make X amount of money per month. They've been spending X amount of dollars. And we go through and I'll get them to tell me, what do you think needs to go in the budget? And they'll give me all the typical things and they'll forget haircuts. They'll forget oil changes. They'll forget basics like that. And it's a wake up effect. So it is, there is personal development. And they'll say to me, why does that have to be put in there? Does it come out of the same bank account? Yeah, of course it does. So that's important. It gets put in there. When you buy presents for people, what do you normally spend? I just buy whatever. Well, in order to live a purposeful life, you can't. You have to put a dollar value on what you're going to spend on birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas. And how does that start the personal development? Because it makes people have that. You you literally can see light bulbs go off on people. And some people, it takes more than one meeting for us to get through this. And then I also will recommend um, people read certain books, right? And do certain things. And it's not necessarily always money focused. It's on development of their six inches between their ears to understand and try to better them as a person in their life, not just their money. Because if we don't better people and how they feel about life, they go right back to the same processes, even after I've taught them, even if I've coached them and they need handholding for six months, they don't stay on that path that financial roadmap that we've laid out, they end up jumping back on the hamster wheel of life in a very short period of time. So I've found that we need to have those sensitive conversations and to tie it back to their goals. You said you really wanted this. We wrote this down on the goals. How are we going to do this if we don't effectively work with some of your numbers? And they're going to bring up objections. That's part of life. And I've gotten really good at dealing with those objections because it's always about them. It's not personal to me. They're just, like you said, they're being faced with stuff they've never been taught before. So again, it's a very sensitive situation. You have to be very cognizant of people's body language or tonality to make sure that they feel comfortable that I'm not there to rip their part of life, their life apart, pardon me. I'm there to help them structure their life so that they literally, it's just like a fine machine that's running in time and it doesn't like an engine and they can have their life like that to a point where they literally Again, some people it takes months, some people I've worked with it takes years. It all depends on their circumstances of debt, um, what they want to accomplish. Everybody has different aspirations, right? In the midst of being a single dad and building your business over the last 21 years, you found time to write a book. Tell us about it. Yes, I wrote a book actually during the pandemic. I had gotten comfortable in my life and I was dealing with my clients and helping them out and 
all of a sudden when the pandemic hit, it changed everybody's mindset about what they should do or what they could do because they're living in now a state of fear. And people don't understand fear. It embraces them in a bad way. Whereas I had been taught and been reading about how to do things and betterment in my life. So I started thinking, see, fear is something that stands for face everything and rise. It's not something that needs to grip you. It can temporarily make you anxious. It can make you have anxiety and some stress. But if you look at it and go, why am I feeling this way? What can I do differently? Who can I approach to help me? What am I going to do? So I ended up going to a conference and meeting a publisher there and had a conversation with him and decided to fall of 2020 to start writing a book based on my life, my origin, what I went through so that people can understand our money monster, our life monsters start in our earliest recollections of our origin. And I shared that and throughout the chapters, the first chapter, for an example, is you're not defined by your past. How many of us are defined by our past today? And we don't understand it. And we need to have somebody be vulnerable and share with us and say, this is what I've gone through. And this is the processes. So the book is an easy read. It's 150 pages. It talks about goal setting and what I've been doing with my clients for 21 years. It talks about process of how easy it is to goal set and understanding budgeting and why budgeting can make a difference. All the way up to when I was finished writing the book is basically talks about me starting my podcast and why I did the podcast. Um, It was just to get people to understand that life, everybody has challenges. Everybody has the ability to circumvent their challenges, some more easily than others. Some it's almost, it can be impossible as well, but that's why I wrote the book is basically it's called Give a Heck, How to Live Life on Purpose and Not by Accident. And it's me sharing what I had to go through to get to that point myself being very vulnerable and forthcoming with information. Obviously, I can't put every single detail about how to budget and goal set, but enough where I've had people reach out to me where it's changed their lives, right? When we've had conversations and people that have gone on to be those successful entrepreneurs, a friend of mine is doing it in Texas. He's told me exactly which chapters affected him. He moved across the country instead of working for somebody else, started up his own mechanic shop and he's going gangbusters. And he said it was because I give him belief in himself that he could do it. He could be that entrepreneur that stopped living on the hamster wheel. Has he struggled? Yes. But sometimes all we need is that uplifting thing that can help us. We already have the seeds of greatness in us. All of us do. And that my book is, I'm not saying it's going to be that for everybody, but it's made a difference for quite a few people, including myself. Even writing it made a difference for me because I had to come to terms with things that I hadn't, that I had locked up in my brain for many years. And to put it down on paper was cathartic, but very sensitive. If you had to give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur on how to play big faster, what would it be? Understand the rules of the money game. Understand your numbers. Or even running a business, even being an entrepreneur is exactly the same as running your personal life. You need to understand whatever you're going to do, if you're going to do a brick and mortar as an entrepreneur, even if you're going to do an online business, what are your costs going to be? How long is it going to take you to bring in money? And do you have a safety net? Do you have an operational line of credit? Or have you saved up money as you're building your entrepreneurship? It's going to take time to get to a point where you're cash flowing more all the time than you're expending. Because initially, when you start a business, 
it takes time. It takes effort. You might have website development. You might have to hire people to do marketing for you. You might have so many other things and understanding that same inflows and output flows like you do for your own house expenses is right along there with you with your business. Even if you run it out of your house, you need to understand the inflows and outflows and the rules of the money game and learn how to budget and live like it's your purposeful that you want the entrepreneurship to work and know that there's going to be a struggle and that's okay. The struggle, nothing is achieved in life on a personal or entrepreneur business space without living outside your comfort zone. How can the listeners find you if they just want to follow up, ask questions or work with you? The best way for them to reach me is one-stop shop my website. Go to giveaheck.com. So that's giveaheck.com. You can find out about my book. You can find out about my financial services and how I help people, my coaching business. You can find out about my podcast. It's all on one place, giveaheck.com. Love it. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me on. appreciate you. And until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.